Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of Raking Coals. We are a ministry-focused podcast on talking about local church ministry in order to better unify the universal church. Today with me, as always, is Josh Fauzi. Hello. And I am Cody Haggard, and we are here today talking about ministry and the purpose of the church, and we're going to be talking about the specific ministry of Raking Coals and our purpose as a podcast. We went over a couple of those things in the first episode, but we're going to go into this with more detail in our episode today. But before we go any further, I would like to say on behalf of myself, Merry Christmas to all of you. I hope you all enjoyed Christmas. Josh, how was your Christmas? Busy. Lots of family, lots of just craziness, but it was fun. It was enjoyable. Yeah, we had a good Christmas as well. We had some family in town. My sister-in-law was in town visiting with her son, and our little guys really enjoyed the time together with their cousin. We had a lot of fun opening gifts. It was crazy. Uh, But for those of you who do listen to the After Sunday discussion, Josh and I will go into a lot more detail of our Christmas experiences on that. So we encourage you to check out e43collective.com. That is e43collective.com in order to be able to check out all of our podcasts and our blogs that are going on there. Again, that is e43collective.com. And today, we are going to be talking about ministry and the purpose of the church, as we've talked about. And Josh, I'm going to ask you straight out, what would you define ministry as? The way I define ministry would be the, the things that take place and the things that we do as Christians and as ambassadors of Christ that... that directly impact other people in a way where we are representing Christ. And that takes a lot of forms. It's a very broad definition because I think ministry is a very broad thing. It's not just your pastor on Sunday giving a sermon. It's not just youth group. It's not just missionaries. It could, ministry is what you are doing as an ambassador because every Christian is a minister. We are, I mean, let me put it this way. My background career-wise is government. And as, as an employee of the government, I am technically a minister. And I am representing the government as I do my day-to-day tasks. And as Christians, we are supposed to very much follow that same mindset, in my opinion, where everything we do, if we are saying... I follow after Christ, everything we do should be pointing to him. And everything that we do to further his kingdom and represent his kingdom here on this earth, we are ministers here. Yeah, I definitely think that the analogy we will talk about here in a little bit goes hand in hand with how I best understand ministry and The way I like to think about it is the image of the church being the body of Christ and each member functioning in their purpose. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of how I I view ministry and specifically for the purpose of of either advancing the gospel or serving 
serving Christ in, in our communities or in our households. I, I view those things as ministry, and I think a lot of people would be in agreement on that. It's not really a complicated definition, but it's one that we don't really talk about a lot in churches or come up with a way in which we define it clearly to new Christians and new members. I think we kind of throw the word around without clearly defining what is ministry. Some people might not realize that you can do ministry outside of your church. Ministry is not just what takes place within the four walls of your church building or at a church function, but you can very well do ministry in your workplace. You can do ministry within your home. You can do ministry in your neighborhood. Lots of opportunities there. And I think most evangelical churches talk to their congregations on that, but I'm not sure how many people um, really understand that in in their walk with Christ. Uh, I would be curious to find that out, but it's definitely yeah. something. I think, and going along with what you say, it's very much the church as a whole in the United States pigeon-toes itself into... Ministry is just what happens within the four walls of the building. And that's not how the church was set up. Christ wanted us to go and make disciples and to teach them. And that requires us leaving the comfort of those four walls. And a lot of people, at least in my experience with talking with people, it's, what, what ministry do you do? If you ask them, what ministry do you do? They say, well, I'm involved in this ministry and this ministry and this ministry in their church. And it's great because things are getting done. Okay. But a lot of times their ministries like children's ministry or youth group or men's ministry. And that those ministries are important, but they're very much focused towards the people who walk into your building. And you look at, the Acts and the Apostles, the, that's very much not what they did. They, they left where they... I mean, okay, there were a lot that stayed in Judea, in Israel. But for the most part, they, they were going and they were sharing the gospel with whoever would listen to them. Not just their little group. It wasn't a group of people sitting around a table saying, yeah, this is what Jesus said. Remember when he said this? You remember that? No, it was, it was, okay, let's go here and purposely serve these people and, and through serving them share the gospel. I mean, I think of Peter and, Peter and John on the way to the temple and seeing the lame man. And they served him, but they also used that as a witnessing opportunity to tell him. It's in the name of Jesus that you're being healed. Yeah, definitely. And there is the element within the New Testament, too, of the activities of things that were meant to directly build into the lives of believers. Right. You have the, the, the Acts 2.42, right? They were gathering every day. They were having meals with one another. There is the, the truth that Christian community and interaction with other believers is vital to a Christian's life, and it's a vital part of ministry. But there sometimes I think, especially in the Western church, because we set up our churches to be so much like a business, so much like an organization, that we're focused so much on that side of it because 
in a way, you have to be. You have to pay your bills at the end of the day. You have to make sure that everything is up and running because you are a 501c3 nonprofit mm-hmm. organization, and that's the way that it has to work. But I think uh, something I would like to kind of point at too is let's think here what our first call to ministry is. So a couple of passages that Josh and I both know. Most people who are Christians will probably be familiar with this. Uh, first one, uh, Matthew 28. We've all heard this if you've been in church or you've been part of a new membership class. You've probably heard Matthew 28, 19, Jesus saying, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And we have that same idea echoed um, in Luke's account of Jesus' ascension in Acts 1.8. So first we did Matthew 28.19, and for those of you who are listening and want to write this down, we are now reading Acts 1.8, which Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I think something that goes along with our topic here. The term used by Jesus in Matthew 28, right, is go. That's the verb. That's the active verb is go, teach, baptize, make disciples. And then you have this idea in Acts 1.8, right, this idea of going. The Holy Spirit's going to come to you, and then you go be my witnesses first in Jerusalem, your immediate place of involvement, then in Judea, the region in which you live, and then keep going further into Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. It's this constant moving, this constant expanding. And in in our ministries, there's a lot of church networks who are doing a great job of expansion through church planting. And that's a great effort. Uh, but that call is not just to church planters. It's not just to church networks, but that is to each and every individual to continue to, in their own walk with Jesus, share the gospel with people in your immediate circle of influence, and then maybe people in your workplace, and then maybe people who you are encountering um, who you may not know. And, And just, I think, this idea of as you grow and mature and become more confident in your own faith, that you should be expanding the amount of people who you're serving and ministering to and we'll talk about spiritual gifts here in a second but josh any thoughts on those passages or anything else uh, to do with the expansion of of gospel i mean when it comes to church my viewpoint of it is you go into church to worship and to fellowship and to learn but then you go out and you serve and you share And I know we stress this with the kids at youth group. We stress this in children's ministry at our church where it's very much, okay, you you accepted this amazing gift of salvation through Christ and this amazing gift of grace that God's providing through his sacrifice. Now, what you need to be doing is following after Christ. And as you're following after him and walking along the path that is your life, you're pulling people and say, here, this is what happened to me. Okay, this is what I've experienced. This is how God has worked in my life. Come follow me and see see what happens. Come follow me and meet this person of Christ. Come follow me and and experience this grace. And 
and I know there's a lot of people that do this and there are a lot of people in churches who do this, but I feel like the majority of Christians in the United States, especially are very silent. I mean, there's not a, there's not a lot of evangelism. I know the one, the first blog post I put up, we were talking about the young millennial generation and it's shocking. I mean, go look at the statistics from the research. It, the the amount of people who actually even know what the what's in the Bible, and what they actually believe isn't there. So I, I mean, I'm making the assumption that they're not sharing, because it's 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 very much church. A lot of churches, actually, all most churches are set up like businesses, because you have to pay the bills, and they end up turning into almost social clubs. And as as a community of people who are supposed to be sharing and going, teaching and discipling, we should be out there actively doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, something, uh, a guy I've really come to appreciate over my time in ministry is a guy named Tom Rayner. He has podcasts and resources and books and blogs and all that type of stuff. Extremely reliable resource in he talks about, uh, in a, he's talked about it a couple of times about evangelism within the church. Previously, it was programmed. There were evangelism programs, things like the evangelism explosion is something that he specifically refers to. And they were like, how to get your church into evangelism in a box. And though he points out that it wasn't necessarily the most effective thing, at least it was something. And now the church is in the state where there's not even something. There is nothing as far as the goal and objective of evangelism. Now, this is not a blanket statement for each and every church. There are churches that do this well. In fact, churches that do this well are typically smaller churches within urban communities who understand that church is the people of Christ, not just not just the, the programs. And we're not trying to knock on on the church or anything like that, but just trying to continue to challenge we don't want to get ourselves in a place where we stop evangelizing and then we have a generation of people who don't believe because we didn't share and i think that that also goes kind of to the next place is is the the gifts and the being a member of the body that's a that's something that we have as a term right we are church members and it is not the same as being a member of a social club, right? right? We are not just beneficiaries to God's grace. We are active members in the doing of ministry. And that's something talked about in 1 Corinthians 12, specifically using the illustration of the body. And then uh, I believe it is Colossians uh, 2 that also has the imagery of Christ being the head of the church. And Romans 12 talks specifically about giftedness and working within your strengths. And those are just a few passages that kind of point to one, 1 Corinthians 12 and Colossians 2, pointing to being the body. And then Romans 12, one thing I love about Romans 12 is just how it just emphasizes if you have a gift and you know what it is, use it. Mm -hmm. If you have the gift of teaching, teach. If you're an encourager, encourage. If you're a giver, give. And I think that that's something that we sometimes forget is that it is okay to use your gifts like emphatically and excitedly and all the time and and it should 
it should bring you joy and bring you life and and if you know what your gift is that that will be the truth and so i think something is, that we get from those passages is that being a church member is by no means a passive duty it is not a passive life and i think that's a big problem in the western church i mean we are very much a i'm going I hate saying this, but it's it's generally, I mean, I, I find a lot of people in churches are hearers and not doers. And that's, and that's the, we're called to be doers of the word. We're supposed to be doing what the Bible says. And, um, I mean, when we talk about why we picked uh, the name of this, of this website, um, it, it's based off of Ephesians 4, 3. And, and it's it's a very, if you read it, it says, um, it says, make every effort to keep unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Uh, but the context of the passage is, it says, as, as a prisoner of the, for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Uh, But to each one of us, Grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Uh, and and just, that's the direct context of the passage. But the thing about it, it's very active. Be. With every effort, okay? Try Make every effort to keep. It's not a passive type of thing. It's, you need to be these things. And the reason why is because... We were all called, and we're all one body, and we have this grace through God. And, I mean, if you truly think about just how amazing just the idea of salvation is, where it's nothing you do, it's all through Him, and you can accept it freely, you should be excited and want to go share it. You should want to actively follow. And and I think we kind of... We kind of use it as fire insurance and view it that way. Where it's like, well, I got that box checked. I don't have to worry about anything else because I know I'm not going to end up burning. That's <laughs> yeah. We definitely are all about um, what we are going to get out of a church. The idea that we are an active member of a church is something that is is really reserved for the mature Christians in the United States. And I use that term uh, with, with the idea of, you know, there's varying levels of mature Christians, but the people who have spent the time to really gather for themselves the information and necessary to know that hey i believe in christ he is my savior but i'm not done 
That's, that's not the end of my story. In fact, that's only the beginning. It's just the first chapter of a brand new story within your life. And something that I think we can, can do as well is to, to be praying for uh, the, the various different ministries we just know about. Uh, the ones we're involved in, definitely. But, you know, pray for the churches in your community. Pray for specific ministries you know about. Pray for your friends that you know who are doing ministry. Pray for your friends who are missionaries who have given their life to go overseas and spread the gospel in hostile environments. I think these are all things that are constant things we can be doing to be active in our faith. And one guy who I think really describes it well is Francis Chan. He talks about, at the beginning of one of his books called Love You Forever, about how he just really got to a point within his own ministry where he didn't like the idea that so much of his ministry was focused on having a bunch of people come and sit down and listen to him speak. And... I think he should all, you know, he keeps in mind that God blessed him as a Bible teacher and lots and lots of people learned phenomenal things from Francis Chan when he was actively preaching as a pastor. But he talks about how Bible studies and 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 sitting in worship and all these things are very, very good. In fact, it's our spiritual food, but it is also possible to get spiritually obese to you're consuming so much but you're never acting you're never actively working off all of this food so to speak to continue off with with the analogy and that we need to be active that the the word of god is our spiritual food and then our life our ministry those are our actions exercising putting it into practice and i think that is something we are just so um, so losing more and more. That's what I'm trying to say. We're losing more and more because our culture sits down and takes in entertainment more than we ever have. And so why wouldn't we do the same thing with church? And I think I, I love the analogy that you just gave of just spiritually obese because I know at least I've, always, I've noticed, and, and you see this a lot when, when people are in college, and they're very much focused on learning, and they just want to, I mean, it doesn't matter if they're going to a Christian school or not, they just want to learn as much as they can, and that's when people get really interested in, like, apologetics and all these other things, and um, which are all important, and you should have a basic understanding of all of it, but what happens when a physical person gets fat? You just focus on the fat. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> It's I, I've I've sat in groups of college students and twenty somethings and slightly older where they're talking about these things, and it's just this long long discussion and they're just discussing it and discussing it and chewing it over over and over again, and they're having these incredible discussions that will last hours, <laughs> but they don't actually go out and do anything with it. Like they're sitting in a room. And they're having these debates over these example, recent example, mid-trib, pre-trib, post-trib, that whole thing. And if you want to talk about it, that's fine. 
All right. But are you going out and are you trying to share the gospel so that people aren't surprised regardless of what it is? <laughs> I mean, it's and it's it's one of those things where it's we we get I think it's a pride thing where it's like we we're proud that we're learning a lot of things. We're fascinated by it because there's so much to learn. Especially but, when it comes to an infinite God, right? Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, but it's unless you go out and you use it, it's just knowledge on a bookshelf that's never used. Yeah, and that that also kind of gets me to uh, a point where I want to talk about my own background, and Josh and I will talk about our, our own backgrounds. I am a Moody Bible Institute graduate, a person who very much loved Moody Bible Institute, highly value my education I got there, highly value the professors, highly value the community, and it is very easy as a Moody student to get stuck in the Moody bubble where you are focused so much on what's going on at MBI to where you realize like, holy cow, I spent four years in Bible college to become a pastor and I hardly did anything pastoral. I, I, I hit the books, but I, I think to some extent with education, there is, it's a season. There, there is a season to learn. There is a season to really expand your mind, but you have to have the intentionality that you're going to put this into practice. And most Moody students I know went out and did that. Very, very good about that. But you have to be intentional. You have to be intentional about putting your faith into practice. And like, for example, I work uh, part-time within a church and I work full-time outside of the church. And my opportunities for ministry are just as much in my secular job as within my uh, vocation within church. In fact, they are both ministries and they both look very different. And I like that about it, but at the same time, I could very well just go to work, be quiet, check the box, get my paycheck, and go home, but I just know that that's not what God's called me to do while I'm there. And I know, Josh, you work in an environment where religion might be a little bit more dicey, but you can still go about those things in the way you act and treat people. Yeah, that's... uh working in government you will find that they they view you as an agent of the government so while you're at work like the way that it was told to us from our legal department was while you're at work you are supposed to be apolitical irreligious and have almost no personal opinions because you are acting as the government i mean that's really how it works and um there's leeway i mean we're allowed to say merry christmas we're allowed to be nice and you're a lot you're allowed to have conversations with coworkers, but you you just have to you have to be careful um especially like my my first job in my service was just you couldn't say merry christmas to people and you dealt with the general public all all day and like we had I mean, it's it's also extremely competitive like so, you had people who would who would say like, "Hey, he just said Merry Christmas to that guy," and you're like, "Dude, I'm sorry." Like, but but at the same time, like I've been able to have very deep and long conversations with unbelieving coworkers, and just not 
and, and my approach very much is not shoving. Like, I don't sit there and go, you're going to hell. Okay. But it's very much like, okay, like, here's here's how I, here's my worldview. This is where I base my worldview. And this is why I believe my worldview. And it's very much a very practical way of just sharing with somebody. And you doing it in a way where it's not confrontational and it's not um, judgmental. Yeah, I think, too, we are in a interesting spot. So both Josh and I have a conservative evangelical background. So and we still hold to to our theological beliefs. We still value everything we've learned in church. But what we're seeing in our society within Christianity is many going towards a much more liberal acceptance of of certain things, especially within the social justice realm. And I think it is totally possible to be a conservative evangelical Christian and hold to conservative values and be a person of love at the same time. Oh, yeah. Jesus was the perfect example. Jesus was a, a no-nonsense kind of guy. Like, he spoke it as it was when it came to truth, but he also showed love to those who were not perfect because guess what? If he didn't, he wouldn't love anybody. In fact, he showed the most love and the most grace to the people who needed it most to the people who were so far from him. And I think sometimes with uh, especially conservative evangelicalism, we have our parents' generation, which is very much like, oh, well, I cannot associate with people who who are are gay or, or questioning or whatever. But I think some of that is fear. And I think part of of being a Christ lover is loving on people who don't love Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit to work on people's sin issues. Our job is to show love, show grace, and tell the truth. You don't avoid the truth, but you also don't refrain from showing love. And I think that that's the big challenge is that a lot of times we think, well, because this person lives a certain way, I can't love them. And that's just not true. There's nothing in the Bible that says that you can't love someone who right. is lost. I think it's a, I, I think, I mean, as a church today, and this is, this is kind of going back to why we named it E40, E43 Collective, E43, whatever. But, I mean, we should, as Christians, we should be fighting to be unified. And with all the different denominations and the church politics and the, the political landscape that we live in and the social landscape that we live in, it, it seems like we are just getting more and more divided. And that's not as... A population, but that's also as a church. I mean, the overall landscape in the United States right now is extremely polarized. And it's very much, it's either you're here or you're here, and nobody acknowledges anybody in the middle. And part of that, I mean, we could go into a very long discussion on why that happens. But that that's bleeding into the churches now, where you could go into one neighborhood here where we live, and listen to a very different, same passage, very different viewpoint than a different neighborhood over here. And you notice that it's 
there are differences in viewpoints for that population. And the reality is, as a church and as the body of Christ, we should be fighting to make sure that we're, we're, we're interacting with each other and engaging people as using what we all understand to be truth. What is the gospel? Why is it important? Who is Christ? Okay. What is grace? The important things in following after Christ. Because it's not a religion, but a lot of people live it as a religion. It's a relationship. We Churches talk about that all the time. It's a relationship with Christ. It's not going to church, not hitting the checkbox for what you did that week. But at the same time, like I, at least from where I am sitting, it almost seems like each little group, even though there are little small differences in a lot of cases, they see you over here, maybe you're Baptist and I'm Presbyterian and this person over here is evangelical. They almost treat you like you're a completely different thing. Oh, we don't talk to those people. <laughs> oh, yeah, just the, the classic, are you a Catholic or are you a Christian, right? Right. And it's like, well, if you're a Catholic, you should be a Christian, uh, but it's just the, the the separation of denominations, and I know right. Roman Catholicism is kind of its own beast, Right. but at the same time, just kind of, we separate ourselves so much and we do it so naturally, and we do it, I think, to some extent, unintentionally, mm-hmm. which is why E43 here, uh, Ephesians 4.3, the E43 Collective, we are coming at it with, we naturally and unintentionally divide ourselves. But It's tribalism. Exactly. It's classic tribalism. But we have to be intentional, intentional about uniting ourselves. We have to be intentional about... Looking at the world from the perspective of there is a whole lot of lost people out there. We are outnumbered. Mm-hmm. Christianity is outnumbered. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's just continuing to get more and more outnumbered. People of faith being far outweighed by people who aren't believers. And so I think it is important if you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you call yourself a Christian, if you're an active believer, then I think it is so important to value each and every other believer. It doesn't matter what church they go to. It doesn't matter what country they live in. But pray for each and every person you know and love and care about that God will use them in ministry because we don't know who the next great evangelist is going to be or the when the next great revival is going to happen if it does. And if those things are going to happen, it's going to happen under the umbrella of unity because Christ is the one who drives all that anyway. And we need to be united in the body of believers. I understand why denominations exist. I think they exist for what are good reasons. I do think that there are doctrinal issues that can cause people to want to worship at different places, but there are also doctrinal issues that don't get in the way of spreading the gospel. And those are the things we need to say, okay, we can leave that aside for the specific purpose of making sure our communities know Christ. And that's why 
we wanted to do this and right. have these discussions. Right. And there's a lot. The important thing to remember, too, is we are on the clock. Right? The clock is winding out. We don't know when it ends. Right? But it could end before this podcast is over or it could end 100, 200 years from now or even a millennium from now. We have no idea. Right? But knowing that we're running out of time to share, we should be pushing ourselves even harder than we normally do. Because it is. We need to go out there and we need to share as much as we can to whoever will listen. And one of the big things, too, is we need to we need to start talking to each other. I mean, I know a lot of people who who are Christians at my workplace. And the, unless you approach them, they will never say anything to you about it. And it, I like I, I have a I get a kick out of just going and talking to people. Like I have a coworker. He had um, not a fan the book on his desk, and I you just spark you just start a conversation that way. It's like hey, that's a great book. I read it. I liked it. All right. How far are you in it? Okay. Now you start this conversation of okay. We both know now that we are Christians, and this we. I now have someone else that I can team up with and just share love to this other coworker over here. Because right? it's not even just like, we got we to gotta convert him. No, it's like, hey, this guy over here is having a, hard, a tough day. I know about it. Go stop by his cube and say hi. And just, just those, those little things that get people to start having conversations with you are important. And... Uh, it, it kills me when I listen to teenagers at youth group going, well, I don't know any other Christians at school. It's like you go to a school of 3,000 kids. There are other Christians at your school. But what happens is they're so focused on the church that they go to and they only talk to people from the church that they go to that they never interact with anybody for who goes to any other church. And um, like I went to a state school, so no no religious affiliation whatsoever but like one of the big things that i did um my sister went to the same college as i did um something that we did was we we intentionally went and talked to people we found out who were christians who weren't the people that we were christians with those are the people that we hung out with outside of the campus but on campus we were just we were hanging out with people. We were talking about our weeks. We were talking. Someone asked, hey, what did you do over the weekend? It's like, oh, I went to church and did this. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. no, we talked about this. And the, like, like, what's your viewpoint on that? And, and it, it really opens you up to having those conversations. But. Yeah, I think that uh, definitely having the knowledge of who the people of faith are in your workplace or your school environment, wherever you're spending a significant amount of your time is good. And also remembering the other side of the coin that there are other people who know you're a Christian that you might not even know they right. know you're a Christian, but they know. And they might not ever commend you for your faith, but as soon as you act out of line or as soon as you screw up, they're going to ridicule you, maybe not personally, maybe behind your back, but they will ridicule you for doing that because they know you're a Christian. And it's just very true. A life of following Jesus is a life of ministry. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And your ministry is going to either be effective or non-effective. 
And our goal is to have discussions here in order to help people have more effective ministries within their life. For me, my main ministry is to my family first. I have a wife, I have three children, that's my main focus. Uh, then I focus on my local church because that's where God has called me. God's called me to be a pastor in my church. I have responsibilities with teenagers and I have a responsibility with preaching. And then after that, my responsibility is to be an ambassador for Christ in my workplace. That is how, what I view it as. I, everyone knows I'm a seminary student. Everyone knows I'm a part-time pastor. And people look at that and they know that. And I have the opportunity to show how awesome Jesus is every day, or I have the opportunity to fail in that. And so I think it is good to, to know that those who are of faith in your workplace, not only for encouragement, but also for accountability. Like, make friends with someone who's not afraid to tell you, like, hey man, you kind of lost it there, and that's not going to be a great influence. That's not going to be a great, uh, a great voice for Jesus. And, and so those are kind of my closing thoughts here as we're talking about ministry. Any final words, Josh, as we wrap up our second episode here? I think whatever you do, do it for the glory of the God. I know as cliche as that might sound, I mean, the reality is we are his representatives here. And if we don't represent him well, he doesn't look good. <laughs> and we have a tendency of very much being very complacent. And a lot of times we will also sit in our pew seats or chairs or whatever and go, well, I can never be like the pastor who's preaching up there. Or that's his job, that's not my job. And, and we kind of get ourselves into a place where we can talk ourselves out of doing the work. But the reality is, is that you're still supposed to be doing the work. And one day you are, I mean, we're, we're going to be in heaven one day and we're going to be discussing it. And I mean, it's very evident that God notices what you do and what you don't. And not to not to be like a fear monger or anything like that, but you, whatever you're doing, whether you're working in anywhere okay or you're in school or you're you're single you're a stay-at-home mom or you're single or whatever you're doing that's your mission field so go and minister i mean that's all i got amen to that and with that those are going to be our final closing words of episode two of raking coals thank you so much for listening everyone who tuned into this episode of raking coals uh, just a reminder, you can find out everything you need to know about Raking Coals, about the Average Sunday discussion, and what the E43 Collective is all about at E43Collective.com. That is E43Collective.com. We hope that you guys check it out and spend some time on there and just hope that each of you had a fantastic Christmas. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day.